0: Welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast, a production from Empowering Pumps and Equipment as the voice of the pump and related equipment industry. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 125 of the Empowering Industry Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Matthews, and I'm so excited that you choose us every week. And if you subscribe to our channel, then it'll show up automatically. And so I hope you'll do that. Give us a little like and subscribe on YouTube. All of that would be excellent. You can stay in touch with us at Empowering Pumps or using that hashtag, Empowering Industry Podcast. So that gets into, you know, just the, hey, welcome, how are you doing? Uh, But let's jump into the updates for Empowering. Uh, I'll just call it Empowering because there's so many different brands now. So the updates, just to let you know, if you didn't hear the last episode, we talked about a new event for us, which is Reliable Plant. Uh, I will be there uh, July the 26th. We'll be having the Empowering Industry podcast live. And so just stay tuned for that and know that we'll be recording that uh, in person there you know, at the event. And then also we'll be moderating a panel on building and sustaining a strong reliability culture. So if you're in that field, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love you to, you know, let me know about what culture means to you. And so please give us an email uh, or a mention. You can, you know, absolutely comment on this podcast. And also we will have an empowering women get together that's on July the 27th. And these are in Orlando. I don't think I told y'all that last time either, but we'll have that get together July the 27th for Empowering Women in Industry. I'm really excited about getting to meet some of those individuals that are there supporting women in reliability. Uh, Also, just on the note for Empowering Women, we are having our conference in New Orleans this year going to be October the 13th. Uh, we're really excited about it. It's conference, uh, awards event, and fashion show, which is one of my favorites. But the time is now to register. Early bird registration is open. And so make sure that you take a look at that. There are some sponsorships available. And uh, sometimes it makes more sense to, you know, buy one of the sponsorships and, and kind of have that exposure as well as a leader in our industry, especially if you're bringing a larger group with you. So there's still room for that. Lots Lots of opportunities to get involved. And I just hope that you will join us for some of these events. I've got my red jacket back, so I'm ready uh, to get on the road. And and I'm really excited about seeing everyone for July. And then, you know, of course, August and September and October, all of these months. And November is our event, Epic. So if you haven't heard of that, uh, check out that hashtag, Epic. 2022. Uh, It's the Empowering Pumps and Industry Conference. I'll put the link in the show notes as well to its site. It's empoweringindustry.com. And just so many events. Uh, We love events. And so we also love hosting our own and bringing everyone together. Uh, Connect, inform, and educate. That's our mission. And anytime that we meet some amazing people, we want to share them with you and see how they can connect and really help you with what your goals are. So one of the things that we do uh, for empowering women is we have these meetups and our next guest, uh, our industry interview today, Brenda Cervantes, I believe I said that right, Brenda, but she says it in the interview. So you can uh, take a listen to the correct way. Uh, But Brenda was on our meetup and I'm really excited to just show you that it, you know, you, whatever your passion is that you can live that out. And she is a great example of that. She graduated in 2013, part of the water conservation program. And Then she also received a certificate in GIS pathway. Um, That's something that I had to learn a little bit more about. But she graduated from Lane Community College, and she has worked at a local watershed council for a couple years while she was in school. And then uh, also for the city of Florence Public Works as their GIS technician. But she really wanted to make a bigger difference in the water world. And so she went back to Lane Community College and was a project manager. She's done supporting within the the energy program, building controls, uh, as well as their water conservation program. And she's, she's super passionate about this, especially that water conservation and energy. And she sees how there is an opportunity for energy and water to work together. And so I love to see her passion. And I know you're probably thinking a student, a young student, and that's because she just graduated in 2013, but she's had many career changes and many different cool jobs jobs. And she went back at the age of 56 to get her degree. And I just think that that is remarkable. And I can't wait to share this wonderful woman with you. Uh, Brenda, thank you for the interview. And so without further delay, here is your interview. Welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Matthews, and I am so excited to be with you. I have a special guest. Brenda is going to introduce herself, but I'm really interested to learn about her too. She joined one of our meetups, and I'm just fascinated with what she's doing on the West Coast. She's going to tell us all about it. But Brenda, go ahead and just introduce yourself for our listeners. Uh, My name is Brenda
1: Cervantes, and I live in Eugene, Oregon uh in uh i've been in oregon for about f- almost 40 years now i am a transplant from california but i was also raised in the midwest in oklahoma so i have some midwest roots uh, which i love my okie family and friends so and i miss them a lot so my background is uh, varied i uh, my bo- current boss often says that i just can't hold a job but uh, I'm a curious and constantly searching sort of being. So the kind of work I've done in the past has changed depending on whether I get bored or not.
0: <laughs> hey, I have a little bit of that too. I, I have to start something new. I have to go to the next project. So yep. I can totally feel that.
1: Yeah. So I have been, I think the probably the coolest job I've ever had was being a zookeeper in uh, Fresno, California. So that was fun did that for about seven years and then moved to Oregon. And I've been a teacher, an office manager, research manager. Then I had a coffee shop for a little while. Uh, Then I decided to go back to school at the age of 58. I think it was about 58 or 60 when I started school again. So I got my second degree in water conservation and um, found that I have a passion for that. So I finished my degree in 2013. It's an AAS, a Applied Science, and then went to work for a small community on the Oregon Coast uh, in public works. And part of my training included um, GIS, which is Geographic Information Systems, which is making maps. And I love making maps. That was so much fun. It's an online kind of software to make maps. So I did that for a few years, but didn't quite like living on the Oregon Coast. It's a little cold and damp.
0: It, I agree. We, well, <laughs> yes, that uh, just because it's surrounded by the ocean does not mean that no, uh, you're going to be able to play out on the beach and be no, warm.
1: <laughs> no, no, absolutely. So I did that and then decided I was going to take some time off and went and hung out with my mom for a few months. And then the director of the programs that I went through, energy and water, uh, they're both kind of housed under the same umbrella wanted me to come to work for him. So I went to work for him, and that's been almost four years ago. So I am a program manager. I manage both the water conservation program as well as the energy management program. And okay. so I do both of those and kind of oversee everything from budgets to grants to reports
0: to whatever, students. So so your background, really, you were an entrepreneur for years then, and yeah. then you decided to go back to school get to, get your education but why water conservation what brought your attention to that
1: well i i'm i've always been a person that respects the the earth and just nature in general i love animals and plants uh, i've been an herbalist for 40 years and so it's like just interacting with the earth you do a lot more of that in water and mm-hmm. you know it's like water We can live without energy. We'd hate it, but we could do it. But we can't live without water. You know, it's like as as a being on this earth, we need to have water. We need to have clean water. We need to have access to water. And I find that people in a lot of the world take water for granted and they don't understand where it comes from or how it gets to their faucet. They just expect to turn it on the faucet and there it'll be. But if you ever go to other countries where that's not the case, then you, you learn that that just turning on the faucet may not be water that you can actually consume. So, yeah.
0: And they know exactly where to get their water from too. And what, what, how to take care of it or, or they know it's not being taken care of one or the other.
1: Right. So I think just because I have a background in uh, natural sciences, then water just kind of became a passion for me. And I just, Wanted to be able to educate people about conserving water and utilizing uh, different methods and, and learning about how they they interact with the water in their world.
0: Yes, yeah. How do you do that? How do you, I mean? <clears throat> we can talk about it on the podcast, but just like every day, like how are you educating people? Like what are the resources that you use?
1: Well, there's uh, there's a a whole lot of resources out there that most people don't understand or don't know about or just don't have that opportunity to interact with it and. So I would say the first thing that people need to learn about is their watersheds. You know, it's like every area has a watershed and that's where the water is collected on the mountainside and then it feeds into streams and those go into rivers. And then a lot of times we pull from the rivers for our drinking water to consume that and whole process of that. And so by understanding that your water comes from the mountainside, then maybe you have more respect for, interacting with the mountainside whenever you go out for a hike or you go into the forest. One of the other things that I'm passionate about is bottled water. It's like it takes more water to make a bottle, a plastic bottle, than it does the water in it. And most of the water that's in that bottle comes from a tap. So get yourself a bottle and just reuse it. Don't keep buying that plastic.
0: Yeah, or that's, just a glass, you know. Or you can a glass. Just well, take I your think- glass to this they stick it yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly i mean there are instances where bottled water is important and that mm-hmm. is in you know um hurricanes and earthquakes where all of the infrastructure falls apart and then it's important to have that bottled water for folks to survive but most of us that go to costco and buy 48 bottles of bottled water and stick it in our garage it's yeah don't do that
0: <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, and, and I have been guilty of that. We, we have um, athletes around here and they always want that convenient bottle of water, but it's super convenient for them just to fill it up as well. So yeah, I'm with yeah. you on that and trying to get that throughout my own household um, is part of it, educating right. them of the why we do that. Yeah. Okay, so I'm really interested for you to tell me a little bit more about this uh, permaculture design Right, so tell me what that is it'll tell everyone kind of what this is and then how you're using it so
1: permaculture design is designing your landscape uh, whether that's a you know a city lot or a half acre or a farm uh, with uh, water conservation in mind so it helps to keep water in the soil because your soil is healthy if you're If it's got plenty of water in it, your plants don't need to, you don't need to water so often so you conserve water. So it's another method of water conservation. And then the the methods of doing that help you to eliminate the need for pesticides or herbicides or any of those. And it also supports local wildlife like butterflies and birds and bees and all of that by using your native plants and uh, and planting them in places where um, they are gonna help to to feed the local wildlife. And it may you know it's gonna it's just gonna make your yard look prettier. Uh, mm-hmm. I hate grass. Uh, it's a totally useless thing and we spend so much money and time trying to make our grass green and perfect. Uh, my neighbor's always out there playing with his grass and me, I've just got weeds and I keep digging the grass up and putting down. Flower beds and vegetables. So for me, it's like permaculture gives you that option to be able to plant both food crops as well as uh, beautiful crops or pollinator crops in your landscape, and and also retain water and and help your landscape to be more natural and not have to have so many inputs in it. So it's uh, a lot of the universities, your ag universities, will have. Permaculture courses, and I got my um, certificate from Oregon State University, which has a huge permaculture group. And it's permaculture is a worldwide practice, and there are a couple of worldwide groups that are just women doing this. So it's like mm-hmm. it's another way to nurture the earth and to plant yes. things that are just good for the earth and not be adding a bunch of uh, chemicals and things to to the soil.
0: Yeah, well, I love that. And I think, you know, part of that, you know, when we're building uh, or t- trying to think about how we're going to protect our, the land that we have, the water that we have, and being able to use some of that design and, and think outside of the the box of cement versus, you know, maybe add in some rocks, but to actually look at the plants that you can, mm-hmm. you know, put into the soil and what happens with them and, and what does retain water. Uh, I think that was really interesting uh, to think, okay, you can build, um, you know, as you're building, you can keep that in mind and you're going to have less work involved in that uh, in the long term. I think the building
1: industry for residential housing is changing. In a lot of places, they're putting in uh, green building practices. So it's like, you know, the first thing that they do when they get ready to build a housing development is they scrape off the top soil and and now in some areas codes are being put into place where when they scrape that topsoil off they have to keep it and when they finish with the footprint of the house they have to replace that because most of the life of your soil is in that topsoil all your critters your worms and your bugs which keep your soil healthy Mm -hmm. are in that first layer. After you get down to about a foot to to two feet, it starts to dry out and not too much lives down there. It gets to be just, you know, a place for filtration. And if that topsoil is healthy, it holds the water. It nurtures the plant's root system. It makes the plant stronger. And it needs to be populated with all kinds of different critters and and Mm -hmm. all of that good stuff. Uh, and unfortunately, like on the little place that I live, every time I try to dig a hole, I find backfill and rubble. And I just Same. get upset about it because I'm like, yes. why do you guys do this?
0: Yes. We have all kinds of asphalt and semen, uh, different things yeah. uh, in our backyard. You're, why is this a hole with no grass on it? Well, there's a piece of something down yeah, there. Exactly, <laughs> yes. exactly. And that's, and that,
1: you know, it's really it's really hard to fix that kind of thing, to heal that. There's a lot of, around my area, there's a lot of places where down about a foot, I find a layer of black plastic. And when you put black plastic down, you kill everything under it. It just, the soil dies. Uh, And then it takes a long, if you pull it
0: out, if you can get it out, then it takes a
1: long time for it to heal.
0: Isn't that something? I mean, you know just it seems so basic just going back to the basics of taking care of uh the earth that we have and the water that we have, making sure that we we do uh, teach people to mm-hmm. conserve um, our resources and so I think that that is just basic lesson that we just need to repeat, you know, have it on repeat. So I, I can hear your passion about it. And I'm wondering, you know, you've done a lot of volunteering along the way, but now you've transitioned. This is your job. Is there, tell us a little bit about the differences there and, and kind of, yeah, you know, I guess I can't, I want to ask you which one you enjoy more. Cause you have to, you know, you got to work but you know, what is that difference between volunteering and, and kind of doing this as uh, your job?
1: Well, I think, I, I think in an ideal situation, your job should be something that you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. And I think that as folks are younger, the younger folks, sometimes they take a job and it's just because they need a job to pay bills and take care of life's necessities. And then they'll go someplace and do some volunteer work because that's where their passion is. Sometimes those two things intersect, and that's like a glorious thing whenever you get that opportunity. Um, But I think anytime your job is about – being of service to others, you know, being raised in the Midwest, you tend to, and I just think that as beings on the planet, we're here to help each other. We're here to be of service to each other. So I always feel best when I'm helping somebody with something. And so, you know, and I think it's something that nurtures that piece of you inside that just finds joy in those kind of things. So I think that's the difference. You know, if you're just doing a nine to five and getting a paycheck, then I think the nurturing part would be to be able to do some volunteer work in something that you're passionate about. You know, for me, when I started my water conservation education, the first thing I did was I volunteered at our local watershed council. And, you know, my background was office skills. So I just did all kinds of things in the office and supported their work out into the farms because they work with farm um, holders and helping them look at at pollinator rows, which are these little edges around their crop field to help, help with the bees and the birds. And so uh, they put those in, which push out things like blackberries and other invasive species. And so being able to support those kinds of projects doing, you know, 10 hours a week or whatever time I had was was my way of being able to be of service. And then once I finished my education, I, I got to have a job at the council and I worked part-time for them for a while before I uh, got a full-time gig. So, you know, I think finding that passion for yourself in between, you know, and as you get older, when you get to be my age, then you get a little bit more choice because you've mm-hmm. kind of already put in those early years of, of uh, just the nine to five sort of thing. Although I do think that our younger generations are figuring that out earlier.
0: Yes. Thanks to us that have done it, you know, or you have done it and I hear the stories, right. And, and kind of looking back and okay. Yeah. I think I'll do it this way. I think I'll go uh, and try to figure out what kind of um, difference I want to make in the world and find a job around that.
1: Right. Yeah. Cause I think that that's one of the things that's going to be different about the youth because uh, I have granddaughters, so I have two—one that's 25 and one that's almost 16—and I know that they want a quality of life, not just uh, not just a job with a paycheck. And so they they want to be able to enjoy their life uh, a little bit more. As you know, whenever I was growing up, it was more about you've got to get a job and support your family and that sort of thing. So I think that that is an important shift and. Uh, Hopefully they figure it out earlier Yeah, and have good quality of life, not just the quantity of life.
0: Well, I know somebody will listen to this and you will inspire them to do just that. Uh, I also uh, was just inspired. You joined our uh, empowering women meetup where we're talking about PPE and we were talking about, um, our upcoming event where we're going to have a fashion show, and you know how we really need to advocate for the trades um, in different programs. Now, you were sharing that you're doing some programs where you are. Can you just tell us a little bit about that?
1: Currently, the program that's we've got, because uh, most of our stuff is grant funded, so it's with the Federal Department of Energy, and it is a energy management building controls two-year degree program. Uh, But it's also an apprenticeship program, which is it's the first of its kind of the in the entire country. It's not. It's been around since last September. And so students will go in and learn the basic stuff in a year and then they can start their apprenticeship program. It's 2000 hours on the job training like most apprenticeship programs. And then they go another year and then they'll go into a job situation they're making a difference because they're helping buildings, commercial buildings be more efficient and energy and water. They get some water background um, because I wouldn't let them get out without some <laughs> water background. And so I think it's a really cool program. It's online. So people don't have to come to Oregon. We can do it anywhere that they are. Um, we find employers in their region and then they would do their on the job training with those employers. So that, you know, that's kind of the stuff that I'm doing. Our water program, unfortunately, is not doing well. It's like nobody's signing up for it, which I find incredibly strange. But I think for water conservation, oftentimes that happens in in utility areas. So it's the service area of that utility. Every utility has a different kind of uh, uh, set of circumstances or challenges. So they often just do that and it's kind of siloed. So <clears throat> right now that, you know, the energy management is, is, um, what I'm focused on. And, you know, it's one of those trades industries cause it is a, a trade of sort. Um, it's not like usual because most of the, these guys are, uh, or girls, which is what we need more girls, um, are working on a computer. They're not, you know, they're not out in the field. They're not, um, crawling around although they might end up doing that at some point, but having worked at public works and wore some cast off for PPE, you know, somebody that some guy that had worked there, you know, 10 years ago and it was just an extra one hanging around. You know, I was just like, wow, you mean there's actually somebody talking about this? Yahoo. So I was thrilled to see all of that conversation around just PPE for women and, getting women into trades and supporting them once they get there. And our state is pretty progressive in some of those areas. And so we have several partners that we work with uh, on the DEI front, trying to pull in women into our program and support women by scholarships. And there's federal money coming down the pike That's just for supporting students as they go through the program probably going to take another year for it to get through legislature and all of that other stuff, unfortunately. But that just means that folks can get started now and find that uh, support later. We have other places that are providing support as well. So I work on that. I do everything from marketing. I just posted something on Facebook and we have an Instagram account and which I'm not really good at, but we have, uh, we are, our, our partner in this is the uh, University of Oregon. Architecture and engineering school, so they they have folks that have background in you know doing things like marketing and creating websites. So and we do have a website that they created for us, which is pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, and that was going to be my question: just if somebody had you know interest wants to reach out to you, what's the best way that they can get in touch with you? But before before you tell us that, just anything else you want to leave our listeners with? I think
1: I think the most important thing is to try try to find something that you want to do where you feel like you're making a difference. You know, energy and water are two important things for everybody, no matter where you are, you know, trying to cut those the use and trying to figure out how to help folks that, you know, communities that are not, not as able to, you know, buy an electric vehicle or put solar panels. It's like, how did those communities survive as costs of everything keep going up, you know, and, And I think the other thing that that I'll just throw out there, because I am coming up on 70, is to listen to your elders, because oftentimes there's a lot more to them, because I think that that's one of the things that as you get older, you find that there's a certain amount of discrimination against just being old. And I know my granddaughter often thinks that old people don't care about things like the environment or water so she was like totally surprised about my whole realm of stuff, and she was like, "Really? I thought old people just didn't care." And uh, I'm like, "No, because we made this mess, and our grandchildren have to figure out how to fix it. That's not fair." So you know, listen to some of those older folks. They yeah, they they have some pearls of wisdom. You know, find your sweet spot, find what's good for you, make a difference. I think those would be the things that I would want folks to think about.
0: Wonderful. Yes, we we both need to learn to listen to each other, you know, young and old, we can value, if we can value each other, we can grow and we can learn. Uh, And and you're definitely bringing, bringing the passion today and the tools because they're, I mean, so many jobs uh, are needed today. And like you said, energy and water is a great place to put your focus and your work and you will make a difference. I like to say it's vital to life. And so thank you so much, Brenda, for joining me today. And um, I do, I want to, you know, if somebody wants to connect with you, uh, where would you like them to reach out to you? I could give you my email address if you'd like. Sure. I'll put that in the show notes. I will, I will put that in there for everyone. And then, you know, hopefully we will see you again at one of our meetups or uh, yep. at the Empowering Women Conference, which is October the 13th, uh, 2022, is our next one, uh, in New Orleans. And, you know, there's a lot of water that needs to be conserved around New Orleans, for yeah. sure. Well, hotels and restaurants are big places to conserve water. Yes, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Brenda. Thank you. Um, it was wonderful. This brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Do us a favor and subscribe, rate and review the podcast. Give us some five stars. I love it. And you can always reach out to us using social media at Empowering Pumps or using that hashtag Empowering Email me anytime, podcast at Empowering Pumps, and we'll be back next week with a- another episode. So until then, be empowering.